Welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Here are your hosts, Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Welcome to the show today. Welcome to episode 43. One of the main themes of our show is helping churches multiply disciples. And today we're having a very special conversation about that very thing. Our guest today is President Dean Rasta. Dean was brought up in a Christian home in Chiliwick, British Columbia. Hopefully I pronounced that right. You just brutalized that one. Did I? Oh no. How does it? How is it? It's not Chiliwick? No, it's not Chiliwick. That's quite interesting though, Mike. What Chilliwack. is it? Chilliwack. Chilliwack, British Columbia. Great. Now we just lost all of our Chilliwack listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll get them back. All right. Well, now that it's officially come off the rails, I apologize. Dean had a lot of fond memories from his childhood, simply hanging out around the church while he his parents volunteered in leadership roles. He actually fondly recalls hiding Christmas oranges around the church to later check up on them to see the condition and how they've molded my kind of man. God worked powerfully in Dean's life through Bible camp as a teen when his faith came alive and then on summer staff where God began hinting at a call into ministry as a vocation. Dean's ministry training came from the Canadian Lutheran Bible Institute, CLBI, Acts Seminary, and the LB Seminary. God has led Dean on many ministry adventures, including youth ministry, camp directing, and serving as pastor of Resurrection Lutheran Brethren in Camaros, Alberta for 11 years. I nailed Camaros. And now as president of the Canadian Lutheran Bible Institute, Dean has a love for skiing, biking, canoeing, and spending time with his family. Dean has been married for uh, 25 years to his wife, Kim, and together they have four great kids, Luke, James, Sonia and Julia. God has given Dean a dream to lead CLBI to be a discipling movement that will help see thousands saved, the poor loved, and a church revived. Join me in welcoming President Dean Rasta. Dean, it is great to have you here. Good to be here. Great to be with you today, and it's great to see you again. Dean, can you tell us a story about a person in your life who had a big impact on your discipleship journey? The great thing about being in a podcast is being asked those questions. I had to think about that one. I was like, man, that's a great question. I've had many mentors in my life, some formal, some informal. And uh, someone who came to mind, a significant mentor over a good number of years is uh, Pastor Harold Rust. So Harold and his wife, Joyce, are currently planting a church in Red Deer, Alberta. But many, many moons ago, when I just graduated from high school, Harold and his wife, Joyce, and their little baby daughter, Annalise, were the camp directors at Camp Luther in Mission, BC. And so uh, it was a very formative time in my life. And so that was my first introduction to Harold. And I think he was just in the middle of seminary or just starting seminary at that time. That was the first introduction to Harold. And quite a few years later, boom, 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 I was uh, leading that camp or the program director and Harold came back and hung out for a summer. Harold, you know, he was a mentor in my life where he kind of showed up at a very specific time. It was a time where I was trying to find my home. Yeah, so I was brought up in the ELCIC, which is ELCA equivalent in Canada, but very much an evangelical. Alcohol Lutheran who didn't have a home in some ways resonated more with my friends that were more from uh, Anabaptist tradition in terms of their passion for outreach and personal relationship with Christ. And so I didn't know where I fit. And then meeting Harold, he was kind of like, hey, you know, there's a little group called the Lutheran Brethren. And he told me more about it. He gave me a little book called Living Lutheran Christianity. And I remember reading that book going, who are these guys? I've never heard of them before. And I was like, these people 
kind of sound like my people, you know, these worlds uh, coming together. So God used Harold in that time. And then later on, Harold became the president at CLBI and invited me to come on staff. But when he came on staff there, he helped change the direction of the school from more of an academic school to returning to its discipleship roots and to kind of blaze a new trail of what that would look like. And I kind of came on staff and it was fun. You know, these pioneers, they forge a trail and the leaders that come after them, you know, the, the leader goes in the front kind of is a lightning rod and kind of creates a awake and other people can come in behind them and just grow and learn. Harold created that space for me in my life. I started pastoring Resurrection Lutheran Brethren Church here in Camrose. I was there for 11 years and Harold was one of my elders for years. That's actually one of the reasons why we love to ask that question is the initial get to know, like allow us and our listeners to uh, get to know you as a guest. What's really amazing is to just see how interwoven people's lives are with the people who have like mentored them. It's just great to hear stuff like that, how God is able to use those people in order to direct our footsteps in what we're doing. I got to visit Alberta last November, November 2019, which Mm -hmm. it was 2019, but it was 73 years ago in the before time. In COVID time, yeah. Man, it was just amazing. I got to meet you, Dean, and see CLBI. Got to just bounce around Alberta, spend some time in Camrose. It was neat to kind of visit with lots of different people and see the impact Harold's had on a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, and you as well. It was very clearly evident that you are one of those people influencing lots of others. And so I'm, I'm really, really excited to have you here today. Thanks, Ryan. It's fun to be here. And, you know, as years go on, it's fun to see what God does. You know, when, when we're working away, just focused on what's in front of us, as the years go by, it's fun to be able to look back and say, hey, wow, I didn't realize God was going to use that moment or that moment, or even the mentors that show up at different times in our lives. It's, it's quite fascinating. All part of God's mission, which is great. Dean, can you tell us a little bit about the CLBI? Sure. So CLBI, the Canadian Lutheran Bible Institute in Camrose, Alberta. CLBI was started in 19. 19- So it's been around for a long, long time. There's a group of Scandinavian Lutheran settlers who came to this area and they wanted to disciple their kids. They wanted their kids to stay in the church, to love Jesus. And they created this school. And it was started at the bottom of the stock market crash of 1932 of the Great Depression. So that's where it started. Okay. What a great time to start something new, you know, at some of the hardest times. It wasn't the first of the LBIs, the Lutheran Bible Institutes. Uh, There was actually five LBI schools. The first one started in Minneapolis in 1919. And this one was modeled after that one, a bit of a, a sister school. The LB, they had their Bible school through that time as well. But now in the LBI tradition, CLBI is the last one standing. So the Free Lutheran still has their school, which is great. CLBI is here and the rest of them are gone. Uh, most of our students come are Canadian, but some come from the States, some come from other places in the world as well. And Camrose is funny. It's kind of like a, a Canadian Fergus Falls. You know, this is Lutheran Mecca in Camrose. <laughs> you know, Lutherans turn to Camrose to pray, we joke about. All right. You know, this is probably the first time uh, we've acknowledged that on this show. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the magnetism of Fergus Falls. Yeah, and now you got Camrose it, as well. Okay, our two capitals. That's right. Our two capitals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are. Uh, COBI, I, I look at it as a discipleship tool that God uses. They have, just like Luther, when he wrote the catechism, that was a discipleship tool. The Bible school, when it was created, was a discipleship tool. But the big difference with COBI, with the Bible school, is it comes with 
community. You know, it comes with intense dorm-based living. We average between, well, right now, 30 to 45 students. And uh, we don't really want to be that much bigger than that. We're a close, intimate, discipling community. It is a lot of fun. I even met my wife there years ago. It's good for uh, evangelical Lutherans to find each other because when we find each other, we go farther together, not just in marriages, but also in the, in the friendships that we bring as well. Like, it's like, Mike, you were talking about, yeah, Ryan, I know Ryan and Cal. He's actually in Calgary. He's on my board. And, uh, but when we find our people, we can support each other and we go farther together. What's the age range of people who attend? Most of our students are mostly just out of high school, like 18 to 21, 22 is on average. And, uh, and then there's some community students that may live off campus that come in from time to time. That'll be a bit older, but mainly it's a zoo of beautiful young adults. What's some of the fun that you're having there as the president? Some of the fun that I'm having as president? Well, I've got four guys that I disciple. And so we do life together. I meet one-on-one with them. Once a week, we meet together in a discipleship group. They get to know me really well. And I get to know them really well. It's just, it's great having a place that you can go and have fun, laugh with each other and share your your life with them. I also go canoeing. Right when we start our year, all of our classes are a week long in length. And some of those weeks are like a canoe trip. As soon as the students arrive in September, boom, we take them for a week in the mountains, canoeing and hiking, just intensive bonding. And so it's a lot of fun. Some crazy things we get to do. uh, And my family kind of gets absorbed in the whole thing. My role, I get to be the chief cook and bottle washer of the school as president of the school. So I get to run the school, you know, a lot of staffing details, looking after, you know, make sure the students are looked after the physical campus classes, the funding. But one thing I love about my role there is uh, the board has invited me to come and to dream, you know, where are we to go from here? I've been there four years. And so when I was, so I was pastoring at Resurrection before I came here, when I started pastoring, we were in a gymnasium and we had property and we worked and worked and worked until we're finally ready to build. And I was invited to interview for this position the day we broke ground for our new building. I'm like, this is just silly. Like, this is not the time to leave. And I'm like, God, what is up with this? And as I I prayed about that call, God put it on my heart. No, I'm not done. Well, what do you want to do? And as I was praying at a confirmation retreat, remember the ideas started coming. It's like, what about discipleship? Actually discipling these students so they can disciple others after they go. As a parish pastor, I tried that many times, trying to uh, train up my people in my congregation to disciple others. And I couldn't get that going. And so this was an opportunity to kind of rethink how we do that and how do we train up students so they can do it in their churches. That gets into the main focus of our conversation today. We wanted to talk to you about an initiative that you've been working on and leading called the 72. Can you tell us uh, what what is the 72? I'm going to back up a little bit. I shared with you already a little bit about what was on my heart when I came to the Bible school. The Bible school has always been about discipleship, but how do we disciple these students in a way that they can actually disciple others after they leave and then for it to actually multiply? You know, that's been the dream. That is the Great Commission. As a parish pastor, you guys can probably relate to this. You go to a conference, you read a book, you visit a church, and you see a a different model of what a a multiplying discipling movement could look like. You're like, this is awesome. Could I do this in my local church? And so we bring these ideas back. We try to get something going. The small group went well, went for for a while, and then they would just kind of peter out. 
to fall apart. And so at the Bible school, we, we recognized that we needed to do something that was bigger than just what we're doing in those mainly one or two years that we had the students. And uh, as we wrestled with this, we spent a, ton, a lot of time uh, living in the passage of Luke 10 when Jesus sends out the 72 disciples. He sends them out to the places where he's about to go and he sends them out in pairs. And as we wrestled with that and, and lived in that passage, and we were trying to figure out a program name of what this thing could be called. And one of my staff members is like, hey, what about 72? So the 72 is a key part of what we're doing. Like Jesus worked with the three, Peter, James, and John. He worked with the 12 disciples. But then there's this group of 72 people that he sends out. The 72 are nameless people. And I can relate to that. I can relate to being one in the crowd, just kind of watching Jesus, following him around. Maybe not one of the disciples themselves. That's a little too big. As we read in the gospels, Jesus says, all right, he calls him out by name. So Jesus had other relationships and it's your turn now. And they go out and they practice, they go out and do ministry and he comes back and he talks to them about what, what how to go and multiplication happens. So as Jesus sends out the 72, he sends us out. And my prayer is that as our students go out from CLBI, what they've learned at CLBI, they can take with them. And it'd be like good yeast that's being transplanted to the dough of the church and it starts to spread and we can support it. So this is very different than a traditional Bible school. Bible school is typically just a destination that you come to, you experience it, and then you look back on it. We're not done yet after those two years. So we're, we're still in contact with them. We're still doing training. We're still equipping and we're still training up more people and helping them. And we're having some successes. Some other things about what the 72 is, we started changing the culture of the Bible school that we hoped that students would be able to replicate what we were doing. Uh, so we started paying attention to what Jesus was doing um, in the small things in life and in the big things. So we're, we're always kind of watching. We're, we have our smaller discipleship groups I already talked about. Uh, we've had to learn to train up leaders in a different way as well. Like for years, for years and years, I've taught a, how to lead a Bible study class. And uh, if I interviewed all the people that took that class and asked them, so how many of you went out to actually lead Bible studies? I believe it'd actually be quite a small percentage of people who actually went out and did it. Even in the church, people were like, whoa, whoa, I can't lead the Bible study. I can't do that. I don't have the knowledge to, to do that. Pastor, you, you do that. You've been to seminary, you do that. So we had to figure out a different way of discipling these students so they could actually feel that they could do this. So we looked at how Jesus was a master rabbi and he asked great questions. For us, we've trained up our, our students to do that as well. They know how to ask really good questions and they've become comfortable even uh, with silence as well as they ask questions of each other in their discipleship groups. The 72 is kind of the umbrella that kind of puts this together, but it's meant to be much larger than just what we do at the Bible school. And so the 72 is, yeah, how do we replicate this inside of churches? Some things that we have done with the 72 to spread a discipling culture in churches, we have discipleship groups that meet Wednesday nights. Some meet in person, like at CLBI or in other geographic areas as well. A Zoom feed going on at 7.30 p.m. So we do some teaching, some testimony, and then people go out into their uh, discipleship group. Some might close their laptop and just meet around the coffee table, and others might meet in a breakout room over Zoom. And that's how the 72 functions. That's really interesting to see where that idea came from and also how it's adapted into different areas too, because it seems like it's now stretching out a little bit further than where it started. So one of my questions is, where did this idea come from? 
as a pastor, we all know how to steal ideas from other places. You know, <laughs> we're, we're gifted in that because uh, God gives his people good ideas. And so, you know, through my life, trying to pull together bits and pieces of how can we make this work, getting ideas from different things, looking for the common denominators of discipleship programs, discipleship ministries. And when I started to see things line up, like multiple groups doing the same thing, I thought, okay, that's a core, <laughs> a core thing that I need to include in, in what we're doing. And so it's not a program. It's not a curriculum necessarily, uh, but it is definitely trying to change the culture of what we're doing. I started training up leaders to, um, to start discipling people online. So they had been through two years of Bible school or one year. Uh, these are my leaders who just kind of resonated with what we we're doing and they wanted to learn how to disciple others. In January of 2020, they were ready to go. So just before the pandemic, we were going to do just a six week thing. I contacted pastors and leaders all over US and Canada and the pastors were all excited about this. Hey, you want to help disciple people in our church? Yeah, please do. I'll, I'll, I'll promote it. I'll, I'll get in contact with people and uh, we were going to come online using Zoom. People didn't really know what Zoom was at the time and people looked at it and they were like, oh, I don't know. You want to do what? You want us to get together with people that we don't know and you want us to really share what's going on in our life? That sounds kind of vulnerable. You want to do it via Zoom? I don't know about this. So when we went to actually launch uh, the 72, we had zero people sign up for what we were doing. They were like, this is too weird. That's not what the internet is used for. When I met with my leaders that night, we called this the beautiful failure and nothing happening. And as I spoke to my leaders, they were like, Dean, we're onto something here. At that point, we're like, all right, let's just pray about what to do next because we're trying to get this going. We're trying to support our alumni and doing this. We're trying to bring new people into it, but zero people showed up. So we took some time off to pray and then the pandemic showed up. A few weeks later, I think at the end of February or in March, right when lockdown had happened, we got together online with leaders and we just laughed and we went, okay, we're ready to go. Well, let's try this again. And they said, let's, let's do it a little bit different. Let's just invite people to come and just check it out. So we started this up. Boom. We had probably eight different discipleship groups happening through that. We met till the end of June and uh, we brought about on average 50 people a week and up to about 70 or 80 involved completely. And uh, just to have a place for people to, to talk and to share and to grow together uh, was powerful. So that's how it started. It was fun to see my leaders grow as well. Like I had some students that I had to like, come on, we need help. We need more leaders. And I think you can do this. Oh, I can't do it. Well, here, someone else will do it with you. And they would kind of doing this. And then on Wednesday nights, leaders would meet beforehand just to kind of find out what's going on that evening. And then we'd meet. And then afterwards, our leaders would come back together. And we call that the after party. In the after party, the leaders, we would have a chance just to talk about, okay, what went on that night? What went well? What didn't go well? And uh, what questions? questions did you ask? Do to process what was going on. After like six, seven weeks of doing this, uh, one of my leaders said, Dean, this was exactly what I needed. And it's not a magic curriculum. It's just a way of life. I don't know where it's going to lead guys. I love that you're empowering your younger leaders to speak into it and change it. That's beautiful. I love that even when the, the first iteration of it didn't work, when your first signups came back at zero, that you learned from it and you didn't give up. And months later, you know, God had other plans for this. That's awesome. Real quick, I just want to get a quick sense of what it's like to be a part of this. So it sounds like the kind of the signature gathering time is a, a weekly get together. And you run this like for a season. Is it three months, eight months, 10 weeks? We're still in the beginning of this, Ryan. You know, we did this in the first, you know, through lockdown. 
That's when we started and we took a break for the summer. And over the summer, we trained up some more leaders. Now we're in like chapter two. I got a, a church involved now. And so in this next chapter, we've, uh, to answer your question, we kind of just started in September and we told everyone we're going to go the whole school year, which is for us, it was September to the end of April. I'm excited to see what's going to come from it. I think sometimes uh, we, we may sit and listen to something like this and think, well, yeah, as soon as the pandemic's over, I should try this. And it just really strikes me that this is something that began during the pandemic. You do not need to wait to start this. And in fact, this is probably a good time. There's so much loneliness out there. And uh, a lot of this is just learning to love people, care for people, really listen and to be patient, to let Jesus show up in the midst of it. So you have this weekly gathering. There's teaching, testimony time, and then you break out into discipleship groups. What happens in the discipleship group? A resource that we've leaned on a lot is uh, by Pastor Greg Finke. Uh, Joining Jesus on His Mission is one of the main books that he wrote. He's an LCMS pastor. And so he's got some good questions in that too. That'd be a good resource for people. On Wednesday nights, when we get into our D groups, there's been some teaching that night, usually around uh, the mission practices that Greg Finke lays out in his book. So we have a little bit of a curriculum to follow seeking God's kingdom, being a people of prayer. Like I said, it's not a magic curriculum. So, but we do teaching on that and then we launch into our groups. And in our groups, we say, how is Jesus getting your attention? They may talk about the lesson that night or they may talk about how Jesus is showing up in their family. Everyone buys a a daily office book uh, called Seeking God's Face. And uh, we all have this, which is kind of fun. So we're all reading the same scripture on the same day, every day, if we remember to do it. And uh, some weeks we'll just read the scripture and uh, just find, okay, what what stands out from you from the scripture tonight? My prayer for the 72 is also that, because we have people from all over the place, that if someone shares their heart and their vision, let's join that ministry and see what happens. Or let's go plant a church together. Or let's go do this. So that's kind of what it looks like. It's fun. It's fun to see what, what's going to come next and how to keep this thing moving. As we kind of begin to wrap up, what kind of advice would you give to a ministry leader who might be listening to this and saying, I would love to start or become a disciple maker? What resources or encouragement or advice would you give an individual who's thinking that way? Um, I would say to start with, they already know how to disciple others. Just let's try to make certain things a bigger priority in our lives. You know, we've been meeting forever, you know, since Jesus rose from the dead. You know, Christians rallied around the empty tomb on Sunday morning to proclaim that Christ is risen. And that's why we do it on Sunday morning. But we've inherited this. It's beautiful. Okay, guys, I'm not anti-Sunday morning at all. But it's become such a huge thing that we think that that's how we're supposed to disciple others. It's all through the Sunday morning. And someone gave me a a quote. They said, how do we let that hour and a half of Sunday morning uh, no longer do, do all the heavy lifting of discipleship? It's beautiful, but it's not the main thing. I have a paraphrase of a quote. I was at a pastor's symposium and Gene Bow was teaching at it. He had this quote. He probably won't remember saying this, but, and I'm paraphrasing it. And he said, you guys and your love affairs with your churches, if we're going to disciple all nations and we have to do it through having these buildings and sunny morning, we're never going to get there. And so for pastors that are wrestling with how to do this, really, if we look at the life of Jesus, it wasn't about, there were crowds, but it wasn't about the synagogue gathering. It was Jesus walking along the road with his disciples and then pointing things out. Hey guys, look, there's some fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know, like he just, he taught as he lived his life. So how do you create space for that in your life? It's going to rub against some other values in the, in the church. Pray about, well, who am I to be discipling? 
And it may not be the obvious leaders too, maybe the quiet ones. You know, who's God calling me to pour into and to love for the long term? And just get together and, and read the scriptures. You know, just pick a book of the Bible and just read it together and, and then just talk. Talk about how God's getting your attention through the word. And uh, just do that on a regular basis, see what happens. Um, but I also encourage pastors to let Jesus love them more deeply than ever before. As Jesus was pointing out what was really pushing me and driving me, you know, some of my ambitions, which aren't always godly or wanting to get the approval of others. And as you are in community with some other people to share those stories, to share what God's going, because as, as people hear how Jesus is transforming us on the inside and even in our marriages and other things, then they get the picture as well. And there's growth, real growth that happens. You know, if this journey just ends up in just saving pastors more deeply and being loved, it's all worth it. Totally worth it. You're speaking to a lot of us. I always wanted to go big. Even the bio uh, that I sent you was kind of an older one. I want to see thousands saved. Yeah, of course we do. But Jesus, he's the one who looks after all that. You know, let's be faithful to what he's calling us to do. Uh, let's be deep disciples who can love people deeply, can be real. And, uh, and we'll just see what happens. We'll see who else Jesus brings into our lives. It's an interesting adventure. Dean, thank you so much for being our guest. We really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to fit us in and come in and talk a little bit. If you our listeners would like more information about anything that Dean has spoken about, you can check it out, clbi.edu. You can visit that page that you can contact them. Oh, Mike, I should add in. We made another website too. Oh, tell us about that. We made a website called the72.ca. That's where people can go and just kind of check out the videos, check out the recordings and what we've been doing and get more information about getting involved in this. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to the show today. Uh, We would ask that you would subscribe or hit the like button so that you get notifications for the next time that a podcast drops. And we'd love it if you would share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. Thanks so much for listening and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Dean. Thanks. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me, guys. Great hanging out with you. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast with Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.